Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It is great to see you today, and hope everybody is surviving. Good? No? I, I, can I just tell you, like, I absolutely love this weather. Like, this is my childhood. I, I know today I actually got on my bike. I got my bicycle out of the basement. And man, I know, it's a long story. But anyhow, I rode my bike, and I'm like feeling like an eight-year-old kid again. I went to McDonald's, grabbed me an Egg McMuffin, which I'm a huge fan of, but I'm not really a fan of their coffee. So I go to Starbucks and get an Americano. I sit outside with a hot coffee about 10 o'clock this morning, man, for about an hour, and just, y'all, it's great. It's a great day. No? Love it. Love it, love it. Now let me tell you one idea that I do have. And one idea that I have, and we couldn't pull it off today, I'm sorry, but it will happen next Saturday night. Look at your neighbor and say, don't miss next Saturday night. Come on, you got to talk louder than that. Don't miss next Saturday night. Because what I'm doing is this. I think when it's hot outside, you need ice cream. Anybody else? No? Okay, then those of you that aren't responding, that's just you. But So everybody that's here next Saturday night, uh, I'm arranging to have like, just mountains, dozen cases of, and I'm not exaggerating. I don't lie when it comes to food, people. I lie about a lot of things, but not when it comes to food. And so ice cream sandwiches, does that not just sound good? And they're going to be free. And, and, and what I ask that you do is don't take the ice cream truck or whatever the container is so we can get more. Is that good? So they're just going to be free because you pay for them anyhow. I'm just spending your money. Is that all right? So that's what's happening. But I just think, man, let's have ice cream. It's, it's July. It's actually June right now. But anyhow, so next Saturday night, don't forget it. I was going to do it today, but I couldn't pull it off. I literally made phone calls and tried to get a refrigerated, uh, seriously, a 18-wheeler refrigerated truck. I had it set up to get here. You people think I'm joking. You do not know me. Okay, so anyhow, next week that's going to happen. Before I get into the message today, I want to give an announcement of a staff transition uh, that's taking place here on staff. And, uh, and so I'm really excited about what's about to happen, and, and not because I want these, this couple to leave, but because of what God's doing in their life. And so Steve and Shannon Borland, you're going to see a picture of them, and their daughters Zoe and Riley are transitioning off the staff to go to northwest Arkansas to plant a church. And so uh, back again... Um, Oh, this has been probably the, the first of the year Steve and I sat down and started having some conversations. And I could just sense that there were, there were some moving and some stirring, some things happening in his life and his heart. And I just said, let's talk about this. What's happening? What's going on? How are you feeling? What's going on? And he just said, man, I just feel like now's the time for me to go, to go plant a church and to, and to pastor. And uh, Steve's in his late 40s. I think Zoe says he's in his late 50s, but he's in his late 40s. And, uh, and so uh, I said, hey, no problem process it, take some time. I would love to have you here on the team for as long as you want to be here. Um, Steve and I have known each other since we were in high school. So I've known him way, 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 way back. And uh, matter of fact, I stayed on their couch when he and Shannon were first married. Uh, this is back doing, I was doing some stuff. He was a youth pastor in Huntsville, Arkansas, and we were there for a weekend doing that. And uh, so anyhow, we go way back. And so I just said, you know, if this is what God's doing, then we want to help you. And if, it's, and, if, and if you want to stay on longer, then you can. And so just take some weeks. So he came back, and we had this conversation and said, I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. So we've been walking this out, uh, which, is what, which is great. And here's what, why this is great. Because more people come to faith in Christ in a church plant than any other endeavor in the United States. That's how we got started. We were, we were birthed out of a very comfortable 
a suburban church uh, in, in, in the north side of Milwaukee on Good Hope Road, Evangel Assembly, and there was a dream and desire to want to see a church like this planted here in Germantown. And, um, and the reality was, is everybody that was part, the 35 people that were part of that church plant 18 years ago were told they would see more people come to faith in Christ if they would do this than they'd ever seen in their life. And I think that's true. Uh, there have been literally thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people who have come to faith in Christ because of this. And so they're going to an area where there's 80 people, uh, close to 80 people in this particular suburb of northwest Arkansas a month that are moving in. 80 families. Uh, that's the growth rate right now. Uh, it's Walmart. You heard that small struggling store. And so Walmart makes all of their vendors. If you do business with Walmart, you have to have a field office in Benton, uh, in, in Benton County, so, or Washington County, uh, which is in Bentonville. And so anyhow, so they're going to be going to that area, planting a church. And so they're going to be here with us the entire month. And at the end of the month, we're going to kind of have a last weekend and kind of a sending off for them. And so I'm saying that because many of you have been ministered to and blessed by their ministry. And so if you want to do something for them financially, for this church plant, you can write a check to the church, write their name on the memo line. We're going to take a special offering at the end of the month, next month for them, uh, and just kind of a way to bless them. And so whatever comes in will go out. Uh, we want to bless them any way that we can. So again, keep them in your thoughts. Keep them in your prayers. This is a big step of faith that they're taking, but we believe God's in this. We're excited about this. Uh, transition is not a negative thing. It's a good thing. And, uh, and so anyhow, uh, we are, uh, we're, we're going to be praying for them. So today, today, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. And I'm going to continue on this, this sermon series called Priceless. And today I want to talk about the presence of God. And I've done something very intentional because what we're going to do is I'm going to preach and then at the end of the message I'm going to have the band come out, come back out and we're just going to have just a few minutes to kind of practice the message. To have a chance to really experience the, the presence of God in a way. And I've asked him to sing a couple of songs and then I'll come back out and, and wrap things up. But, but this is something that I think is, is, is powerful. Now, when you talk about the presence of God, everybody has these different ideas. I mean, is this like some big, huge cloud? Is it mystical? Is it whatever? Well, if you look at Scripture, there's basically three ways that we see the presence of God presents itself. The first way is what we call the omnipresence of God. Omnipresence of God. That's God is everywhere at all times and feeling all things. And uh, so Psalm chapter 139, verse 7 and verse 8 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? For if I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. So we understand that God is present everywhere, whether we realize it or whether we don't. So God is at all times, at all places. That's the omnipresence of God. So if you want to like get some theological points, you can just say, well, that's called the omnipresence of God, the fact that he's at all places at all times. That's good. All right. Number two is the second way is the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God. This is where God is in action. God is actively doing something. So Genesis chapter 1 Verses 1, 2, and 3, it says this. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, uh, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, remember, hovering over the waters, that's omnipresent. Check verse 3 out. This is the manifest present. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, period. 
It's where God is in action. He is moving. And we see that he is there. His omnipresence is there. But when he speaks, let there be light. And there is light. There's this action. There's this manifest active presence as opposed to his hovering or his omnipresence. So God shows up at certain places and certain times, and he does that. Now, it's possible that you experience the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God and miss the personal presence of God, which is the third way God shows up. It's possible that you hit the first two and you don't hit the third one. And I think the third one's the one that's the most powerful because it's what I would call is priceless, the personal presence of God. This is God's abiding with man. This is God's relationship with man. This is God being with man. We see in the beginning, God walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He had this ongoing relationship. He talked with them. He, he interfaced with them face to face. See, man is created and, 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 and was created for the personal presence of God. And God wants every single one of us to experience that. But it's possible for me to, to know that God is at all times, at all places, omni, everywhere. It's possible for me to, to see God do something in a manifest way, an action that's like, wow, that's just a hand of God. Wow, that's just an amazing wow. And never experience the personal, the abiding, the relationship. See, omnipresence doesn't change you. Manifest presence. Look at it in history. It's awesome in the moment, the crossing of the Red Sea, when the nation of Israel, when God literally holds up the sea and they walk, three million Jews walk through on dry ground. It's not but a few weeks later and they're griping about where they are and forgetting what God just did. See, it's, it's, see, we can see the manifest presence of God and then all of a sudden not stop and really realize what God's doing and because life happens and we're just, we're just that way. But the personal presence of God, th this is what I want you to catch. It, it's impossible to not be affected when you encounter the personal presence of God. It's impossible for you not to be changed or transformed when you encounter the personal presence of God. And I, quite frankly, just to be honest with you, don't know how people live their life without an encounter on a regular basis with the personal presence of God. And I don't say that because I'm a pastor. I say that because as a young child, when I was sick and my mother would come in and give me medicine or whatever the doctor had given, my mom would pray with me. And she would read a couple of verses with me. Matthew 18, 19, where two or more are gathered together in his name. There he is in the midst of them. If they ask anything according to the God's word, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. I know that verse, not because I learned it in seminary, but because my mother would pray that and quote that and read that every time we were sick. We were sick a lot. That's why I knew it. And so they, she would do that. And, 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 all, and we would pray and we would believe. And God would begin to show up and move. And, and, there's this, and I remember as a kid thinking, how, where do you go? If you're sick, where do you go to if, 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 you're, if you're scared? Where do you go to if you're alone? How, how do you get through this world? People are trying all the time. And I just stop and go, man, what about the personal presence of God? And that's what I want to unpack today. What that is, how that works, and really how practical that is in our life. Because some of you have been raised in church and you get what I'm talking about. But the problem is, is that you're crusty and it's been a while since you've experienced it. Let's just be honest. You can go through all the motions, but it's just, it's just been a long time. 
Some of you are like, what is he about to unpack? Like, I have never heard these terms or even thought about this. Is this like some, like, mystical? No, it's very practical. It's very real. So I want to turn your attention to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to start in verse 15. And it's a snippet of a conversation between Moses and God. Now, outside of Adam and Eve, God shows up a few times, um, but very rarely. But he has no more interaction with anybody in the Old Testament from the beginning of time, from the beginning of other Christian man, should I say, until Jesus comes in the book, in, in, in the book of Matthew. He speaks very little and very intermittently except to Moses. Moses is not the high priest who has the opportunity to go in annually and have an interface with God. Moses is a leader. Moses is not a pastor. He's not clergy. That was his brother Aaron who was the high priest. Moses doesn't go for atone for the, na- for the sins of the nation of Israel. That's his brother. See, sometimes we, we think, well, that's David. No, David was a king. Uh, well, that, that's Abraham. No, Abraham was a pretty fat, nasty, wealthy guy who God spoke to him and said, if you'll follow me from the Ur of the Chaldees, which is a fertile crescent where, where we believe civilization began, um, if you'll follow me from there onto this journey, I, I, will, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea. He's not a priest. He's not a pastor. Isaac is not a pastor. Jacob is not a pastor. Joseph is not a pastor. He's a prime minister. None of these individuals are ministers. Most of the individuals in the Old Testament, are very few of them are ministers or clergy. Most of them are what we would call marketplace leaders. Just think about that. Some of you just blew your circuit. So, so Moses is, is a leader. Moses is, is a national leader. He's, he's like a president or a uh, a prime minister. And so he's having this conversation with God, and God is wanting him to lead and to, and to go forward. And Moses says this, verse 15 of Exodus 33, if your presence, he's not talking about manifest presence, he's not talking about omnipresence, this is personal presence. If your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. For how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you've asked, which says my presence will go with you. Because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Personal presence of God. Moses says, I will not lead these people. I will not move forward. I will not go where you tell me to go unless you go with me. We see this conversation with many leaders in the Old Testament. Abraham, he's fine to follow. Uh, Hebrews tells us that he was on a city looking for, he was on a journey looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He would go as long as God was leading. David, when David crashes and burns in the middle of his empire and he commits sin that should, quite frankly, should have cost him his life according to the law, according to the Old Testament. He stands before God and we read the prayer in Psalm 51 that he prays, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your presence from me, but restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Why? Because he'd gotten crusty. He got so far away. He did all the motions, but he had lost and walked away from this personal presence. 
Again, I'm not talking about the omnipresence. God's at all places, at all times, in any, any particular point in time in history. I'm not talking about the manifest presence where God shows up and parts the Red Sea or, 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 or has some miracle. I'm talking about a personal presence where there is, as a leader, Moses says, I'm not going unless you go with me. So we see what is the personal presence. Well, first of all, the, the personal presence says that you know who I am. So if you're taking notes, write this down. I'll explain this and unpack it. It says that you know who I am. When the personal presence of God is with you, others will know who you are. Look at verse 16. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? The personal presence of God sets you apart from everyone else. It distinguishes you. Have you ever had anybody say there's just something different about you as a Christ follower? And they don't say that as a Christ follower because they really don't know what it is. I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with people in the foyer after a service. And they go, you know, I don't know if there's something in the air. Maybe it's, it's allergies or, or something. But I just cry when I hear the band. Or, or somebody will say to me, man, I, you, it's like you were in my kitchen this week. You were reading my mail. Like, this is exactly, how do you do that? And I go, it's the presence of the Lord. It's not the omnipresence. It's not the manifest presence. It's the personal presence of Jesus. It's a personal presence of God that comes in and that distinguishes. And in that moment, what happens is, is everybody around you and everyone within the circumference of your life and everyone that comes into the influence of who you are and Christ notices there's something different about you. There's something that's just different. I don't completely understand it because the, the world doesn't completely understand it. I just know that there's a peace, there's a joy, there's a, there's a happiness, there, there, there's a confidence. There's something about you that you have. You want to be set apart from everybody else in the workplace? And I'm not talking about weird. I grew up in church. We don't need any more fruits, flakes, and nuts. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. We're not talking about weird. We're not talking like we all look like we all had the same barber and we all went to the same, you know, same uh, hairstylist and the same uh, dresser and tailor. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there's something different about you, the essence of the persons of who you are. It's a presence of God. It's a presence of the Lord. It's what they said about the, the, the disciples in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, that these men have been with Jesus. What's different about them? And one of, the, one of the leaders says, well, they've been with Jesus. They're not educated formally. They, they don't come from backgrounds or pedigrees where they should know this. They, they, but, but yet they understand the law, and they understand the fulfillment of the law, and we can't refute what they're saying. But yet they shouldn't be this learned. They shouldn't be this educated. They shouldn't have. It's the presence of the Lord. And the presence of God says to everybody around me, you know who I am. Let me tell you what the difference is. For those of you especially that are new, maybe, or, or whatever, you're trying to figure out, you know, what's the, like, what's kind of the, the deal with pastor? Like, what's the juju? What's the thing he has? I'm just going to tell you. I'm not that smart, and I'm not that together, and I don't know how to construct and do, and I've never done, this is my first time to ever be a senior pastor. I've never done this before. This isn't like I've got some career in this. It's just... I've been with Jesus. It's been from the time I was a kid growing up. I just said, God, here I am. As a kid in high school, I recklessly pursued the presence of God in my life. And if that meant I wasn't popular, okay. If it meant I didn't fit, okay. 
I, 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 I'm telling you, my pursuit of my life has been, and not because I'm perfect. I have so many faults and failures. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. I've got so many issues. But I'm going to tell you what helps in everything, what helps kind of, kind of round the edges and, and, and kind of soften the, the roughness. It's the presence of the Lord in my life. And when I preach on a weekend, if ever you've ever been here and said, man, I just feel like, wow. It's only because of the presence of the Lord that you know who I am. The second thing we see here is that God knows who I am. It goes from people outside to now this is a personal relationship between God and me. God knows who I am. Look at, look at the first part of verse 16. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? If I don't have your presence, God, how will anybody know? How will anybody know that I'm with you and that we're okay? It's that we talked about this Father's Day weekend. It's the Father's approval. It's this hearing. Way to go, son. It's the pat on the back. Way to go, daughter. It's, it's the I'm proud of you from, a, from the dad. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the approval. We see this twice with Jesus in the New Testament. There's twice that it's recorded uh, that when, when the phrase, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. God verbally says that twice in the New Testament. When Jesus' public ministry begins, when John the Baptist is, is baptizing Jesus in water in the River Jordan, the Bible says that the heavens open up, and that the voice of God comes down aloud and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The second time it happens is when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and they go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And there they see Moses, and they see Abraham, and God shows up in a cloud. And he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Every time God gets in a, in a, in a setting where he is in public with Jesus, with other people, he wants to declare, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and this is the same thing that Moses is saying. Look, God, how will anybody know that you're pleased with me unless you're with me? How does anybody know that you're okay with me, that you're happy with me, that I've got your approval unless you're with me? And when the presence of God is with you, you know that God knows who you are. You know that God is pleased with you. You have the confidence in knowing that the approval of the Father is in your life. And what difference does that make, Aaron? It makes a difference on how I walk and how I talk and what I do. Because I'm just telling you, and, and if my dad is happy and I've got a good relationship with my father, then I can deal with everybody else. See, I was raised, and my father taught me how to clear my throat, how to look at someone eye to eye, how to give a good firm handshake, how, how to enunciate my words, how to say yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, and, and, and how to project myself and present myself. Not because of what I had, not because of my name, not because of my pedigree, but because that's what a man does. And so because of my father and seeing how a man operates and how a man loves his wife and how a man loves his children and how he disciplines and what he does, I learned. And so now when I interact with other people, I'm, I'm not intimidated. I, I'm, I'm not like, oh, are they going to? Why? Because I've got, I, I have this confidence level that, 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 that I learned a long time ago that the presence of my dad in my life, knowing that he is okay with it. I mean, I don't look for that as much now at 40 
46, but, but, but at 26 and at 16 and at 31, it was a much, much, much bigger deal. But it's the confidence. Even to this day as a 46-year-old man, my father will tell me, I love you. I'm proud of you. He'll hug me. He'll kiss me. And, and my dad will knock you in the next week. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, my dad's not soft about anything. But there is this confidence. It doesn't matter if you like me. Stand in line. It doesn't matter if you're voting for me. It's, I'm right. This is right. And what I'm trying to say is when you, have, when you experience the personal presence of God, that's what happens in your life. It's you know that between you and God, everything is okay. And that he loves you. And that he's proud of you. And that he has a perfect will and a perfect plan for your life. And it's that abiding presence when you live in that presence. And you can. And, and, and it just says that I'm pleased. God's pleased with me. Catch this. Not because I'm perfect, but because I'm his. I'm going to talk about grace next week. Grace is priceless. But quit trying to perform. God loves you not because of your performance. God loves you not because of what you do. God loves you not because of you show up to church or you don't. God loves you just because he loves you. Just because you're his. God knows who I am. And the presence of God lastly says that I know who I am. I know who I am. Look at verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you. We live in a world that is swirling with identity crisis. People don't know who they are. They don't know why they're here. They don't, they, they can identify. The presence of God sets an identity in your life and a purpose in your life and a calling in your life that nothing else can. The presence of God brings significance to your work. The presence of God brings fulfillment to your life's work. Whatever it is that you're doing, whatever your hand finds to do, the Bible says, do it as unto the Lord. It's the presence of God. It, it says that I know who I am. It cements it. Because again, the Bible has a plan and a purpose for your life, the Bible, it says. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, the Bible says. He has a calling on your life. You go, well, yeah, yeah, that's easier for you in this ministry. No, 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 no. Remember, most of the people that are written about and that are named in the Old Testament were not ministers. They weren't. They were marketplace leaders. I grew up thinking all these people were preachers, and they're not. The preachers, quite frankly, were most, most likely pretty jacked up. I mean, when you read it, there were some really crazy ministers and high priests in the Old Testament. Aaron is the one in the Old Testament that gets them all in trouble. When Moses is on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments from God, Aaron's the one that says, maybe he's dead. Let's just build a golden calf, right? Blame Aaron on that one. Not this Aaron, but that Aaron. You know what I'm saying? And this is what I love is that the book of John tells us in John chapter 14. Jesus says, if my words abide in you, and you in them, if you abide in me, and I abide in you, then you can ask what you will, and it will be done for you by the Father in heaven. He goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit's role. 
See, when the Bible says when Jesus dies on the cross, the temple in the temple, the veil that separated the holy from holies, the holy of holies, and the outer courts. See, the only person that go in the holy of holies was the high priest, one person every year, and he would atone for the entire sins of the nation. And the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. If man would have done it, he would have rent it from the bottom to the top because it was accessible. But God, being above us, stoops down over, over heaven's glory and rips it from top to the bottom. What's the significance of that? It says that now every one of us have access to the presence of God. I don't have to be on some mountain alone. I don't have to be part of a chosen group of people. There's only about 30 or 40 names that are really talked about in the Old Testament. Less than 100 that are talked about throughout Scripture. I don't have to be a part. There's 6 billion people on the planet. What are the odds that you're one of the 100? No, no, no. Jesus says that because if any man, I, I, I stand, Revelation 3.19, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if, I, if you open the door and let me in, I'll come in and I will have a relationship with you. Presence. God doesn't want your money. He wants your presence. God doesn't want your abilities. He wants your presence. God doesn't want your time. He wants your presence. He just wants to be where you are. He wants to be in your presence. Because here's what he knows is that when you are in his presence, everyone else, it will distinguish you. From every other person and every other individual, the hand and the blessing of God will be upon your life. I'm just telling you. Some people say, well, man, you know, I've looked at your life, man, and you live a pretty blessed life. And how does that happen? It's the hand of God on my life. It's not me. I'm not smart enough to put this together. It's the hand of God that's on my life. The presence of the Lord. That's what he wants to do for you and for your kids and for your children's children. And the Bible says of the third and the fourth generation. I know I'm preaching all over scripture. I'm just excited. But just walk with me for a minute. And so when that veil is torn from top to bottom, it means that now I can boldly go and obtain grace and mercy at any hour. I can call on the name of Jesus. No other sweeter name. I can, I can, I can, I can say the name of Jesus. I can talk to God the Father. Do you know in the Old Testament when they would write in Hebrew, when the scribes would come in and they would write, even to today, and they would write the word Jehovah, they would stop everything they did and they went through a ceremonial cleansing before they went back again and resumed their writing because they wanted to make sure that the name Jehovah, which means God, that, that, that it was sacred. And now I have the opportunity. I don't have to go before a priest. I don't have to go before a high priest. I can boldly go to the throne of grace and be in the presence of God and obtain grace and mercy and strength and identity because he knows me. He knows me by name. It doesn't matter if you know my name. It doesn't matter if the president knows my name. It doesn't matter if anybody knows my name. He knows my name. And on that day, Woo, I'm about to preach. On that day, the Bible says that he will call me, he will call you by name. And I'll hear the words that I have lived my life to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in. Why? Because it's the presence of God. Wow. And we have that opportunity every day, at every time, at any moment to experience that. It's priceless. And so here's what I want to do. The Bible says that God inhabits, he dwells, he lives in, 
the praises of his people. So I'm going to have in just a moment the band to come out. And they're, gonna, they're going to, to sing. And, and I'm not going to ask you to move from where you are. I just want you to sit or stand in the presence. You don't have to even sing the songs if you don't want to. That's not what it's about. It's about just sit in the presence. There's something I used to love to do when I was, when, and, and, and we would be in church service, especially when I was on staff, and we'd have, we'd have a church service, and, 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 the, and there would just be like an, a, just a prolonged thing. People were dismissed, and things were over, and you just sit. People are praying. People are being ministered to, and you just sit in that room because the presence of God was so strong. Again, I take that with me in my life, but this is the time that we come together once a week where we say we want to encounter the presence of God. You're not here to encounter me. You're not here to encounter a music program. You're here to encounter Jesus. And so I'm going to give you that opportunity in just a minute. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for your presence, Lord. I thank you for the power that raised Christ from the dead, the wells within us, Paul says, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that we overcome by the blood that Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross and by the word of our testimony, that we are the head and not the tail, that you will go before us and behind us. You will make the crooked way straight and the rough way smooth that you will never see us forsaken or begging for bread, but you are our provider. You are our God. You are our Father. And Father, I just pray in these next few moments, there are people that are here today that have never been to church or it's been so long. God, they may not understand half of what I just rattled off, but let them experience your presence. There are people here that are so dry, because they're just running and they're running on fumes. Let them experience that soaking presence that only can happen through you, Jesus. There are people today that are in need. Oh God, they're, 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 they're dealing with situations and circumstances. God, I pray, let them experience that transformative presence. Just you. It's not anybody else, no one praying for them, nothing weird going on, except you putting the super onto our natural and showing up. We thank you for the omnipresence. We thank you for your manifest presence. But oh God, more than anything else, we need your personal presence to fill our lives, to fill our homes. In Jesus' name, amen.